So it's a it's a degenerate gambler's dream, Fred. <laughs> they still haven't checked out my bookie. I don't know what they're waiting for. They can lay down some money on all the biggest games in sports, especially the gridiron games, by joining the war room and thousands of other online players placing bets at my bookie. Dot .ag no excuses when you win you get your money fast with no hassle they even have in-game live betting so you can place wages a little bit after the game starts so join now and my bookie will match 50% of your first deposit up to $1000 use the promo code warroom all caps one word to activate the offer visit mybookie.ag today play win and get paid there's really nothing else to it so fred like i said man we're going to jump Right into this uh, college football preview, because I know all the college football heads have been waiting on this for a minute now. Um, Conference realignment has been big news in college football lately. You know, the the Pac-12 is pretty much falling apart after this season, though. Um, You got UCLA and USC, come on, two of the biggest names in Pac-12 history, bolting for the Big Ten, which, you know, <laughs> which geographically makes no damn sense. None of um, it makes sense. They made the announcement recently that Colorado will be bouncing after the season for the Big 12. So what Back implications home, yeah. does all of these moves, these upcoming moves have on, you know, this season? How's this this season, that? not so much. Mm-hmm. But there's always a but. There is uh, it's all money. It's all money. Everyone's positioning themselves for that big check down the road. Uh, U.S. I so I let's just kind of go back a little bit, right? So the Pac-12, uh, they years ago they expanded and they said, and we all knew once conference realignment really started happening, the ACC added people. They added teams like Louisville. They added Syracuse. Uh, even dating back to, I mean, this thing started back in the early 2000s. They added Miami and, and Virginia Tech. Then it was Pitt, uh, Syracuse, again, Louisville. And you're like, man, this thing's getting crazy. The Pac-12, they start adding teams like Colorado. They add Utah to the mix. And then we were like, oh, man, Utah gets in. But then where's Boise State in all of this? That didn't make any sense. But they there was some – Boise State just was cool being who they were, and it is what it is. But then other conferences started moving. The SEC moved. They went and got Texas A&M and Missouri, which Missouri made no sense. And then (laughs) Colorado went to the Big 12. They left. They were one of the originals. And then uh, was from the old Big 8 and Southwest Conference. I'm dating myself a little bit because I love the history of it. But then Nebraska leaves. They go to the Big 10. We're like, huh? That makes no sense. But then, and then now we have Texas. They say, oh, no, we're gone. We're gone. And Oklahoma says, well, you can't leave without me because, well, we're kind of tied together here. We hate each other, but when it comes to this right. money, we're, we're about this bread and we need this bread. So without me, it's not the same. So then Oklahoma says, we're going too. And now the SEC has a footprint really in Texas. And teams that don't really like each other like Texas A&M and Texas now have to play each other again yeah it gets really it gets really crazy and then you know we have schools like Miami and Florida State who have the money to move and we'll kind of touch on them a little bit in, in a little bit but 
Now the ACC schools are saying, well, this TV deal kind of sucks, but we can't really get out of it because we're stuck in it till 2036. But if we pay this big lump sum of $300 million, hmm, things could get interesting. I can go to the Big Ten. I could go to the SEC. And it doesn't matter where regional the regional niche that college football is, blow that up. Your grandfather's idea of college football where USC is they only play on the West Coast. Blow that up. They're they're in the they're playing teams in the Midwest now. And they're bringing their other half with them, UCLA. And now Oregon and Washington, who they didn't want to come with them, is now coming with them. So now you have I mean, this can change the landscape of how this entire sport is looked at. Because it's regional. The South, we we eat, breathe, and sleep football. The Northeast, the you guys South, have right. the Northeast, they those guys, they have Penn State and that's cool. They have Boston College, that's cool, but they don't do it like we do it. The Midwest, they have Texas. I mean, can you kinda we can kinda call Texas the South, but generally, yeah, it, it's not the same. Texas is its own monster in itself, right? So they they eat, breathe, and sleep football, and then out west they do their thing, but they don't do it like us. But it, it's multi-sport out there, and so every every area has its own flavor, culture, kind of like how people are, and uh, right. and just how society, different societies and cultures are. College football is just high school football on steroids. They just do it different. But now you're including so much money in from different places. That's the crazy part is where's the money coming from? TV right. deals, NIL, co- companies wanting to get involved, maybe a private equity fund. Ooh, that gets – then we really get – we start throwing everything out. The, is, is, are we talking professional sports now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It's going to take a lot of getting used to once, you know, all of this stuff goes down. And like you said, we're used to it being regional, but when we see certain teams playing, you know, mixing and mingling with in, in other conferences, it's just going to be weird. But I tell you one thing, especially for the USC and, U, and UCLA going over to the Big Ten, like that's going to even like just taking it down to a business slash television perspective, that's going to change the the landscape for a lot of those Big Ten teams because now, you know, without it being some super huge game, they're going to get more time on prime time because they're going to be playing some night games when they have to, you know, fly out to the West Coast to play SC or UCLA. Um, On the other hand, you're going to see UCLA and USC playing some earlier games. So it's going to be interesting, like TV and scheduling and, you know, all the implications that come along with it, it's just going to be so weird to see, man. So it, weird. it definitely it definitely will. I think the one thing you'll we, – we just have to – the thing I've said is the idea of, oh, it's, it's – the kids do it for them. They do it for the love of the game. Throw that crap out. This is a professional <laughs> game. This is business now. These people mm-hmm. are putting billions of dollars into this sport, and we're still throwing them crumbs and calling it NIL. They're doing so, it for the bag. 
Yeah, I mean, we're still mad at kids say, "Oh, he took a he he took a five million dollar deal to go to Florida or Tennessee or Oregon, and you're mad because he took five million and the school took three hundred. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, well, so what does this what does this all do for the Pac-12? Like. What are they going to exist anymore? Like we have four this, teams. Right? Left. This is sad. Like, we have what four is, teams. What's going to do for the Pac-12? Uh, I mean, all of your premier talent is gone. <laughs> they they now. about to be like I mean, the Pac-6 at some point. Pac, yeah, Pac I mean, four. Oregon and Washington, <laughs> they're gone. USC and US, UCLA, your cash cows, they're gone in the biggest media market, and I think that's where they where the Big Ten figured it out early. They said, "Hey, we want." We want you because of the media market plus your name. It kind of goes hand in hand. So we have a hand from – we have not only – it used to be they were, they were just the Midwest, right? The Ohio states, the Michigans, you know, the, the lunch pail people. That's what I call them, the lunch pail people, hardworking people. You know how – you know all those cliches. Then they took Rutgers, and, uh, and, and I was like, mm, what do they want Rutgers for? And then I thought about it. New Jersey, New York. You know, that media market. And then they said, so now I have the two biggest media markets. Big Ten knows what they're doing. So those guys are gone. Then Arizona and Arizona State say, well, we we don't want to be left out either. And there's prime real estate out in Arizona, too. So cool. We're, we're good going somewhere else, too. And then Utah, Utah, that's conservative America. You got that, too. <laughs> Colorado crazy, goes man. home to the Big 12, and it just makes the entire conference collapse. I mean, no one I, – I made this prediction about a year ago. I said Stanford, mm, no one – they're an academic institution. They played football for a while, and it was cool with uh, Harbaugh and, and, um, and David Shaw, but those guys are gone now. And so Cal, they haven't been really re- – the last time I can honestly say I watched an actual Cal game front from beginning to end, I'm going to throw a name at you, and it's been a while. He's not even in the league anymore. Javid Best. Sheesh. That's how, that's how long it's been. So, but that's how long ago it's been since they were actually good or relevant. Um, Cal's just Cal may not have a football team going forward in the next probably 15 years. So, again, an academic institution. So, that's where where we are right now. Do, do they go FCS? Do they drop ball altogether, or do they just get consumed by the pack, the Big Twelve, or do they go to a lesser con? Those these teams go to lesser conferences. We've had teams like schools like um, San Diego State want to join. And it's like there's no what advantage do I get with San Diego State joining? At this point, what advantage do I get if Hawaii wants to join or Boise State wants to join? And I even left out a name. TCU got into a big conference years ago. They could have been an option had you just went ahead and took them then. So the Pac-12, is, is it's a dying it's a dying conference. Yep, sounds like they're Pac, all right. Put them in the air. <laughs> all right, so uh, you said, you mentioned something, you mentioned that the ACC uh, mm-hmm. might be possibly losing some key members. Who 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 might that be? 
So there was a there was a there, that contract is huge. It's also a very bad contract. You're in you're in line to stay with this bad deal till 2036. And so this TV deal TV deals are weird because they take forever, and the teams either the teams or schools tend to outplay the contract, or and the market changes. At this point, it has Clemson is is carrying the conference. But now you have about seven schools that say, hey, we kind of want out. What do we got to do? The key ones are, of course, Clemson. They're the king of the conference. A bad year for them nowadays is a 10-2 and two record, 10-3 and three record. I wish I wish a certain team in Coral Gables was a 10-3 <laughs> team every year. Uh, Mainstay, Florida State, the old kings of the conference. Uh, they They have an interesting situation because they – they're looking for other ways to get out instead of just ponying up 300 million. Maybe a private equity fund gets involved. And when we start, when we start talking private equity funds, having their hands in nonprofit organizations, I don't want to say that out loud too loud, but uh, you know, that gets really weird. Miami's a private, a private school, but you, you know, when it comes to these private schools, the money's there. If they really, really, really want to make it happen, they're one of those. North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia Tech uh, are a few of the others that – and Louisville are a few of the others that want out. Virginia also – Virginia has – quietly, Virginia has a lot of money. <laughs> and they get they don't get talked about on the football side. The basketball side, they're pretty good, but – on the football side, they're not a great team, but because the school and the donors have money, they want to come along for the ride. They know that football builds the school. It pays for everything else, so they take the necessary evil to go along and make that money. So those are some of the schools that could potentially end up being a part of another – could be a, a part of a somewhere else. They could end up in the Big Ten – they could end up in the in the SEC. Clemson, Miami, Florida State, and North Carolina are the ones I think could end up in the SEC, uh, mainly because that's where their footprint is. Man, it's about to be like three mega conferences. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, interesting, the college football landscape, possibly in the future. But let's get into – the you know the actual season 2023 mm-hmm. college football season um and we can't do that without you giving us some players to watch um this season so you know who who's out there who's on your radar for uh, a big year players to watch so first off i'm gonna leave with the obvious right so this one's easy right caleb williams heisman trophy winner i so in the beginning i have to say i wasn't a fan in the beginning at Oklahoma, and I said, man, I want to really go back and look. I want to watch. I want to watch more, and I want to see more, and I always came back wanting more. And then Lincoln Riley got his hands on this kid, and he is just a whole different monster. He is a whole different monster on this West Coast. Um, definitely um, he's going to be the number one overall pick. Let's just get that one out the way. Um, yeah. And shout we, out to him because uh, he's a kid from – from this area, from Washington, D.C. area, Gonzaga High School. So, shout out to Caleb. <laughs> yeah, he, he – I don't I don't like the Pat Mahomes comparisons. I hate when we compare guys to, like, super elite guys like that. 
but his game somewhat translates to uh, a guy that you would want to watch like that. So I can definitely understand uh, where that comparison comes from. Those comparisons don't do anything, though, but hurt the actual player. <laughs> because because we put something on them that they don't ask for, and now when they don't live up to that, yeah, now we're, yeah. oh, you suck, you're a bust, you're this, you're that. But, you know, it's hard to be Patrick Mahomes. Now, you know, I understand comparisons. Comparisons yeah. don't necessarily mean you're going to be that guy but you have some traits. But mm-hmm. the thing the is, elusiveness, you know, the, the casual the fan doesn't yeah. understand that. So yeah. the way they it's understand things is, oh, they comparing them to Mahomes? He better be Mahomes or he going to be, you know. There is you know. one Mahomes. There's one of those. That doesn't come, That comes around once in a thousand years. Okay? That only right. happens once. So, yeah. But he has, he has different traits like him, of course. Um, definitely, I, I would be – Remiss if I didn't say this name, Drake May. I've been on him since he was a true freshman. I said uh, once Sam Howell was gone, North Carolina will be a very, very happy team. Uh, Drake May. <laughs> I, so I, my comparison for him, and I again, as much as I hate the comps, I hate the comps. I think his ceiling, just ride with me on this one, he, he reminds <laughs> me a lot of Big Ben. Maybe not the size of Big Ben, but if you watch him – you take the jersey, the name off the jersey on the front, and just watch the tape. Uh, he, it's the Ben that wants to move around, the improviser. Early in his career, Ben moving around, extending plays, getting the ball out quickly. After they decided, hey Ben, here's the handcuffs come off. Let's throw the football a little bit. That Ben, and at the same time, I have a love hate relationship with this one Drake May because. He leaves – his stat line says 27 of 35 for 345 and five touchdowns. And I'm like, man, that looks great. And then I watch the tape and I say, man, he left about three touchdowns on the board. Footwork is <laughs> – so he had monster there. numbers, but he could have yeah. had stupid that's, numbers. That's, right, you could have stupid numbers, <laughs> but it's like you and, – and he has to be that guy because their defense is so terrible. They average about 30 – they allow about 35 points a game. So he has to give you about 38 points a game to even compete. And right. it's like, wow, he can make plays, but he leaves a lot to be desired. So maybe if he cleans that kind of stuff up, we might be talking about him as a top ten pick. Going into mm-hmm. next year's draft, you said maybe like a like a Ben Roethlisberger, of course, without the size, it's difficult mm. to actually be the size of Ben Roethlisberger. Right, right, right. right. He got but the six five six, part right. <laughs> how about to say, but at six four, six five, two thirty, like yeah. he's not a little guy. So yeah, you're you not know. a little guy. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely not. not. So, um, see, another I, name. Year I, shakes out. As much as you know, I love the quarterback position. I love offense, but I have to. I've been a fan of this young man since he was. Uh, his, as a senior, I saw him as a senior in high school. He was a five-star uh, senior out of high school. Harold Perkins Jr., linebacker, LSU. Uh, he broke my heart. He went to LSU and didn't. He did not commit to the right place. That is the University of Miami. I, in my heart of hearts, I feel that that's where he should have gone. But this young man, he had um, eight and a half sacks as a, a true freshman, three forced fumbles, a pick, and yeah, he he was all over the field last year. Uh, he, I, I saw him again. If you have a chance, go back and try to find his tape against Arkansas last year. He was an absolute buzzsaw. If you think Patrick Queen, Devin White, 
think those type of guys, those type of LSU linebackers, Quan Alexander, those are the types of guys that you're looking for. He's all, he's pure athleticism. I mean, he's tracking everything down. And once the game slows down a little bit, he's a true sophomore this year. He's going to be a guy in a couple of years. He's going to be, I know we don't like our linebackers anymore. Like we don't like our running backs, but <laughs> you'll see him top 15, top uh, 15 to 20 in that, in that draft in 2025. That's going to be a guy. He's going to definitely be a guy. Um, 6'1", 220, athletic. Yeah. Yes. Got yes. the tools. Got the tools. Um, Joe Alt, we love our O-line. I know you guys – I know how much you guys are at the War Room love your O-line. Joe Alt, another Notre Dame offensive lineman there. They're not flashy. They're not – the game is just nasty. They're just – they're nasty guys. They like – they're just great at what they do. They block people. They – he only allowed one sack. Okay, he allowed and he allowed three pressures. Okay, that, that those are all American, first team all American type numbers. Okay, he all is right. going to be a top, probably top five pick going into uh, next year. Uh, just a couple others, uh, Bo Nix. I he is probably my most improved player from last year. Uh, Bo Nix, if anyone, if you so Pat Nix, former Auburn quarterback back in the day, way back in the day. I got to reach way back into the eighties. For this one, but Pat Nix, uh, he that is his son. I remember he's I think he's a fifth year senior now, fifth or sixth year senior at this point. Uh, he was I remember watching him. He was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country. Uh, he played at Auburn. It was awful to watch. It was awful to watch. Let me say it one more time, Auburn fans. It was awful. I don't know who this guy is that is under that Oregon helmet. That is not Bo Nix. That is somebody else. Somebody is impersonating this man because he is a whole different quarterback. 3,500 yards, 29 touchdowns. That is a whole different person under there. But he might have parlayed his way into a potential first-round grade uh, going into next year. He is a definite guy. Uh, Donovan Edwards, running back. I know you guys know I hate running backs, but he is one of those guys (laughs) that he is electric, and he's not even the starter. He's the other guy at Michigan. Him and his his uh, backfield mate, Blake Corum, those guys are dynamic as dynamic can get. Imagine being the backup and still being a 991-yard rusher with seven touchdowns, and you're a part-time running back. See, but that, that, that's what proves our point, though. You know, that lends itself to our point. Dime a dozen, even the electric ones. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can find them you know, pretty much anywhere. And if you have a great offensive line, you might not even have to find one that's super electric because you'll make them look better, you know, mm-hmm. with what you the have. The college front, game so. allows for that, though. The run game is a lot different in college. Uh, the guys, the linebackers are a little bit slow, a little bit slower. The lines are not as great. But uh, there's this is a pretty good running back class, at least for the college level. Uh, definitely got I gotta say this name, Quinshawn Judkins, Ole Miss running back. He was a three star out of high school. He was a true sophomore coming up. He had 16 touchdowns on 1500 yards. He is he is a instant Heisman, early Heisman favorite if they have a high half decent season. Uh, Will Shipley. Uh, I don't like to throw this out there, but how many white running backs do you see? Mm-hmm. And when you do see them, what do we who do we compare them to? 
Christian McCaffrey, right? How about that? They got to get paired to Christian. Yeah, He's yeah, about the only so, one. <laughs> yeah, so Will Shipley is that guy. He 15 touchdowns for Clemson. Uh, and a name that you, not on the opposite side, a guy that you may remember, uh, you know, we're getting older when we when they start throwing junior on the backside of that name, Jeremiah Trotter, mm-hmm. junior. Wow. Yeah, wow. Clemson linebacker, junior, two picks, six and a half sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss, and five PBUs. Yeah, he's he's a baller. He's a definite baller. His his daddy is a Philadelphia legend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Trot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I see these names, and I'm like, man, I and I I didn't even say Marvin Harrison Jr., who's the best receiver in football. Like we're right. comparing this right. dude like to the point where we're like, oh, he's as good as Randy Moss used to be. Like, hold on, pause. What well, is he better <laughs> than Dad? And he's not even like he's like that dude. And he was be- like, we're talking like he's better than Olave and Wilson, and 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 I'm like, hold on, y'all, y'all, y'all just said Njigba was that good, and now we're saying this guy's here. Um, Ohio State has had a ton of talent, even Travion, uh, Travion Henderson, who's been banged up, but still, he was one of my guys out of high school, loved him. Uh, but these, I mean, there's so many really, really good players all across the board. This might be one of the better years where the talent is spread out pretty well and there's some electric, electric players. Cool. All right. So um some of these uh storylines going into the college football season, you know we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Deion Sanders, aka Coach real Prime. Real quick, real quick, real quick. I, <laughs> uh-huh. I know I don't, I don't want to make you go back too far, but I, there is a, a unicorn. I, I, if I, I don't see, we don't see unicorns often, right? So okay. I gotta say, I. So, what is the one position that you know, you know what it looks like every time you see it, all the time from high school to college to the NFL. What is the one position that it looks the same no matter what? You said one position that I looks thought, the and same? It's on the def- it all looks the same across the board. It's on the defensive side. Looks the same physically? or looks the, Physically, yes. It looks the same physically. There's, there's I mean, not a lot of them. You can probably name one. You said not a lot of them? There's not a lot of them, and when you see them, they all have one trait. They're really fast, or they got really good hands, and that's it. Oh, you talking about the 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 D backs? Yeah, yeah. So we have a we have a unicorn this year. We got a white corner, and you, you know got a, um, I, we got a white corner. You got a, he, you got and, a Jason Seahorn back there. Yeah, but he's he's, <laughs> he's a speed demon. He's a speed demon, and then. It gets even worse. It, like he, on top of that, and I don't like to throw this whole race thing out there, but it's like it's a super unicorn. Okay, so he goes to Iowa. <laughs> so it makes it even. It's like it perpetuates the stereotype. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm gonna, he's like, I'm gonna stay with my people. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna stay with my people, right? So like, so when I'm looking at Cooper Dijon, he's. I mean, he's a he's a four three guy, right? He has to be fast, right? That if you're slow, we're gonna clown you the entire time. Five picks, right. uh, seventy five tackles, nineteen solo for a corner, okay? For a corner, 
and he can actually he can actually turn it back for six. If he gets a pick, he might go for six. He's an actual ball hawk with the speed, with the foot speed. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be remiss to not okay. say his name, only because he's a U.S. All right, well, we got to keep an eye out on him. But like I was saying, well, speaking of, you know, cornerbacks, speedy cornerbacks, they could take it back for six. Coach Prime, mm-hmm. um, after, all the, after all the fanfare and, you know, everything that went into that, he will be coaching his first season in Colorado. We mentioned them earlier because this first season is going to be their last um, in their current conference, and then they'll be moving on as well. But – uh there's been a lot, you know, he gets a lot of attention. Um, I'm sitting here the other day watching TV, and I see that their first game is going to be nationally televised. So mm-hmm. nobody, nobody would have been checking for Colorado's. No way no they would way. be on national TV early in the season without proving anything, if not for this Coach Prime storyline. So what do you think year one at Colorado is going to look like? For Deion Sanders. Year one. So first off, as much as I, I know you guys are gonna hate me for saying this one, but he's annoying to me. <laughs> he's Coach Prime. He's, he's been annoying to me. But he, you know, I saw an interview. Yeah. I saw his presser uh, from over the weekend, and it's like, let the reporter just ask their question. Like, don't be an asshole about it, right? It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Do you have to be like? I don't you do realize that these people are the responsible for writing your story, telling your story, and they could let you off if you let's just say you have the season I think you're going to have where you win maybe four, maybe five games, they can spin it as well he, he turned the program around and that's better than yeah. one game. They, they or won they one game say, last season, so we could right. say, Oh, with all the hype he let a – it was a complete games. letdown. And right. do you see how much of a different – the same season, but the the story is drastically different. It's drastically different. And all because you were, you know, you were a piece of shit to him. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is where we know, you know, Dion has always been a very confident man. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes to the point where it rubbed others the wrong way, but you mm-hmm. would think like in this situation that you, you would want to get the media on your side. Mm-hmm. You want that narrative spinning your way, no matter how it is. Um, because even if you surprise and, and shock the world and did something, you know, even better than expected, those are the guys that's going to hype it for you. Those are the guys mm-hmm. who are going to hype it up so much that you know you're going to look like a genius so yeah you, you really do want to get on the on the good side so you won't be fighting against what mm-hmm. you might think is a false narrative for your whole career um moving forward but realistically i don't know i'm, I'm pretty sure they have their work cut out for them uh as far as improving on last year I, there's nowhere else to go but up of course, so, of course. Right. So, you know, we, I can, I can picture, you know, Dion winning five or six games in the world overhyping it because they won one game last season, but there's nowhere else to go but up. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, With a schedule yeah. like theirs at TCU, you start the season – 
12 o'clock at 12 o'clock noon in a few weeks against the runner-up. Granted, that was a distant runner-up. I don't think even TCU fans want to forget that last game. But it's still TCU, and while they lost their quarterback, they still come back with a lot of talent. And that game's on the road. You get Nebraska and Colorado State at home, but then it gets very real. At Oregon, USC at home, but it's the defending Heisman Trophy winner who has a lot of weapons. You get Arizona State on at, on the road and Stanford at home, okay, but then you turn around and you get UCLA. You got to go to the Rose Bowl. You have Oregon State at home, but they're, that's a homecoming game, and they have a, a transfer quarterback in, in DJ Uyunglele for the uh, Clemson transfer who I haven't been a big fan of, but he he has a lot to prove. He basically got pushed out after being the number two quarter, number one or two quarterback in the country coming out of high school on a big-time program. Uh, you got Arizona at home. You got Washington State on the road. And then you have the defending Pac-12 champion, Utah Utes. And you got to go to Rice Eccles, a place that is very tough to play. Uh, it is a player, very tough place to play. That's a tough schedule. Me personally, I, I see wins at Arizona State, Stanford, Colorado State, and you might get Nebraska. After that, it's tough picking. You know what's crazy, though? Mm-hmm. As much as it seems ridiculous, because it is, that you know Colorado is going to be on national TV against TCU week one, everybody and their mom are going to tune in. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to be right there. And, and, and I'm, and I know Whether you're rooting either. for them, rooting against them, everybody and their mom are going to tune in. Oh, absolutely. I mean – I've never, I've always said I don't want to root against a brother, but it's hard to not. He, <laughs> it, it's almost like he's he wants to be he wants to be the antihero. Like I don't, I want to want I want him to succeed for all the people coming behind him, but he makes it so hard to like him as a head coach. The, I, I mean, love I get it. Like I said, because not you know, the coach. Dion acts like he's already arrived as mm-hmm. a head coach. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, as much as I enjoyed, and, you know, until I didn't, much as I enjoyed what he was doing at Jackson State, Dion, pump your brakes because it, it's Jackson State. Yeah. It's you know Jackson what I'm saying? State. Now, you come into Colorado, and in as, you know, quick a time as you did that in Jackson State, if you do that in Colorado, then – Okay, then we're gonna to have to be impressed because of the level of competition that you'll be playing. But we're gonna—we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, everybody and their mom are gonna tune in. Um, if they do start losing, you know, I wonder how long, you know, he's gonna have an audience for. People might be like, "All right, mm-hmm. this ain't real. We're not watching this no more. I'm not mm-hmm. wasting another three hours on Colorado because it's not like he's, you know, jumping on the field and playing." So, yeah, but we'll After see. Them, week man. five. Week five will tell it. By week five, we'll have a good idea of who this guy, who this team really is. And because uh, once, if USC puts that thing on them, like I think they're gonna put that thing on them. Ooh, it could. I mean, you could <laughs> potentially if you. It could be two. They could be two and three to start the season. And I mean, really one and four. I don't think they're beating Nebraska at home. I don't think so. So TCU, Nebraska, Oregon, and USC. Are all L's. 
Well, if he's oh. two and three, to, if he's two and three in his first five, then you know, at least he can go to the administration. Like, see, we improved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nowhere to yep. go but up. Yeah. All right. Definitely. So Michigan. Uh, a lot of people think Michigan looks primed for a run at the national mm-hmm. championship. Do you agree? Michigan has has beaten Ohio State twice, and that's that's the key. You have to beat your arch rival to even get out of the Big Ten. But and they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent. Like Harbaugh, is, they're touting twenty players drafted next year. That's a lot of talent, right? But at the same time, the most important position on the field isn't a top. 10 guy. Right. Quarterback is the most important position on the field, especially at the college level. What does your best player do? He runs the football really well. Well, I already got two running backs. I got 2,000-yard <laughs> running backs. I don't need another 1,000-yard running back. Throw the football, and I think that is where J.J. McCarthy has struggled is throwing the football. Michigan does exactly what the 49ers did when Harbaugh was there. Uh, he, they ran the football really well. The defense was solid. Uh, very, very dynamic running backs and a quarterback that could run the football a lot better than he could throw it. Shout out to you, Kaepernick. You know what it is. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we know, and there's nothing wrong with that. that. That works in the college game. But at some point when you run into somebody like Georgia, then right. Then what? You run into an Ohio State that says, "Look, you're not. You better beat us throwing the football, and if you do, it is what it is." Right, and th- and that's what I was thinking. I'm like, even in a situation like that, you can take advantage of lesser teams. Mm-hmm. And you'll still get those wins, even if it doesn't look impressive from the quarterback position. But mm-hmm. you know, the farther you go, and the as you know, when the competition ramps up, you're not going to be able to get that off all the time. So. I see this team being undefeated all the way up until Penn. They have a one-game season, a two-game season, honestly. Uh, November 11th, I circle that game at Penn State. That is definitely probably going to be a whiteout game. I can I can definitely picture that game being a whiteout game. And two weeks later against Ohio State at home. I mean, the rest of the schedule is very, very, very much a cupcake schedule. East Carolina at home, UNLV at home, Bowling Green at home, Rutgers at home. We're 4-0. On the road, but it's Nebraska there. They don't really have a lot. Uh, Matt Rule is there, but mm, we'll see. Minnesota, they there's some stuff going on there where they might not be rowing the boat much longer. Uh, I don't. We, we'll see. Uh, Minnesota's always a tough out, but at Minnesota, still think you have more talent. Indiana, again, it's Indiana. And then at Michigan State, I thought Michigan State would be a lot tougher, uh, but so far not looking like the Michigan State I saw in year one under Mel Tucker. Uh, Mel, this year is not what what I was really hoping for this past year. We'll see if they turn it around. But at that point, that team is – 7-0, 7-0, 7-0, and 0, 7-0 with an off week in the middle of the season, then you go Purdue, you should beat them, and then it's Penn State. So three, it's a two-game season. And Maryland somehow always sneaks up on somebody. I call him yeah. Yellow Ball, Baby Tua, <laughs> T- 
Talia Tungavaila. I call him Yolo Ball because he's going to throw at least three of those. Uh, at least a game. He's gonna throw three of those. And you're gonna be like, "What are you doing? You should get. You don't deserve that last thing." And then, but they always hang around. They can score points. So, uh, but yeah, Michigan has a their schedule's pretty pretty light. It's kind of light, so they can't lose any. But if they can navigate this thing until the end and they find their way into that that pack uh, that Big Ten championship game. They, you could even lose to Ohio State and potentially get in again. I mean, I just the question mark I have is the quarterback position. All right. So what about the Bulldogs? Can Georgia? Is it possible? Can they three peat? Three peats are tough. Uh, they've lost Hell a yeah. ton. In any I mean, sport. I, any, any, any sport. Any sport. I mean, I I saw one of the greatest teams I've ever seen in the USC Trojans. It's almost been 20 years. Jeez. I mean, that time flies, right? But um, yeah, that it's hard to three p because yeah, you can not you don't have to go undefeated, but you do have to navigate the waters. Losing talent is the biggest thing. This team has done a really good job of recruiting, and the funny thing is if for all my recruiting people out there, Georgia, despite winning multiple national championships and being in multiple playoff appearances uh, with Kirby Smart, they don't recruit the state of Georgia really well. Go figure. A place where it's, that's very talent-rich, has some of the best high school football you will ever see. And, and that includes the, the other state that they, uh, where I'm from, the the state of Florida, we have the best. We are the best at this. They might they're they're trying to give us a little competition. But Georgia has a again a cupcake schedule. UT Martin at home, Ball State at home. South Carolina's the is the one one of those those landmines. Uh, Shane Beamer and and the rest of his crew, uh, Spencer Rattler at quarterback. Uh, those guys, they they might have the secret sauce possibly, but Georgia gave them everything they wanted last year. Uh, UAB at home, Auburn, I'm not ready to say Auburn's even ready to compete yet, but Hugh Freeze always feels a pretty good team, uh, whether it's – and he always has some kind something up his sleeve. Kentucky, no. Vanderbilt, the last time you guys said something about a team that was really good, Alabama beat you so bad that you considered getting rid of your football program. You said, we want Bama, and then Bama said, we want 63 nothing." And, yeah. well, yeah. Some people don't realize. Like, they think somebody's <laughs> down. You, some, some, you just don't talk trash to, to Yeah, you don't talk – then you talk trash to the, to, to the GOAT? To the GOAT? Yeah, yeah, no. no. Don't do that. Don't be disrespectful. No, don't do now. that. Don't do that. I mean, UF, UF, I don't know what they are yet. Billy Napier in year two. We'll see. Missouri, eh, Lane Kiffin, you get Lane Kiffin at home. They get a lot of the tougher games at home. Uh, Tennessee on the road. Uh, and I didn't mention a name earlier, Joe Milton, following Hendon Hooker and hit when he transferred from Virginia Tech. But 6'4", 250 with a with an absolute bazooka on the on. If you did not get a chance to see him against Clemson in the bowl game, ooh, that's some good football. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Well, they, they gave him everything they wanted. So let's bring it a little bit closer to home because we got like uh, like ten minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say home, I'm talking about your boys down in Miami. 
Um, not just Miami, though. Uh, we'll talk a little Texas as well. Um, how hot are the seats for Mario Cristobal, Cristobal and uh, Steve Sarkeesian? Like, so is this make or break? I don't want to say it's make or break for Cristobal because he knew what he was getting into and after a really the roster turnover. But you fought, you've already fought. Basically I'm about to say you got to give him a minute to rebuild, right? Right. You got a top 10 recruiting class. Great. Addressed quarterback. Good. You retained your original quarterback who had a, who was coming off of a ACC rookie of the year honors. Uh, he got injured. Team wasn't great. There wasn't a lot of talent from the Manny Diaz era. Uh, but you fired both coordinators. Well, essentially, one got fired and the other one got hired at Alabama. So, but he, we weren't trying to retain him either. I'm not. I mean, if you walk out the door, it's cool. But if you know, if you stay, it's all right too. Uh, so yeah, Miami has been up and down, and I think this is we need progress, right? Those games that are were close. North Carolina was a high-scoring team. Miami held them to 27. Uh, you had a chance against Texas A&M, a floundering Texas A&M. You can't lose games, Mario, to Middle Tennessee State and Duke anymore. We don't do that here. Uh, Clemson, <laughs> that game needs to be closer, especially when DJ Uyunglele is terrible and he he just get he just does whatever he wants to. You. Uh, Florida State, you cannot lose 45 to three again. You cannot lose 45-3 to three and give up almost 300 yards on the ground. You cannot do that. <laughs> you see, yeah, I'm passionate about my canes. But oh, yeah. I think the season will be a little bit similar to what has been the norm, 7-5, and 8-4. and four. Uh, You have games against Texas A&M. That game's a return game. You have Bethune-Cookman. Um, yeah, you already know what that's going to be. You're – uh, a, a school that you may know a little pr- pretty well, Temple. Oh yeah. They get to come. They get to come down to Coral Gables and get a beat down for some money. Uh, you can't <laughs> you beat the beat up on Georgia Tech. Poor Georgia Tech. Uh, take maybe and then at the end, if you have an opportunity, this the game that'll tell us a lot will be Boston College last game of the season uh, at Boston College in Chestnut Hill. If the team is good or even half decent, and we have something to look forward to next year. The following year in 24, uh, you could see – I could see this team fighting, but if this team is on um, is floundering looking like last year, they could get their butts kicked in the cold and uh, go home with the tail tucked between their legs and Mario talking about maybe uh, maybe getting fired early uh, on a 10-year deal. So we'll see. I mean, this, is, this one's a – I don't want to call it make or break, but I need you to give me a reason to want to keep you, Mario. Just saying. All right. Sarkees and make or break. Ooh, this one's a make. This one's a make or break because Sark has not has he has he has the quarterback. He has the offense. He had an opportunity to beat Alabama at home last year. You had an opportunity to beat Alabama, coach, and you you Bryce Young did Bryce Young things. <laughs> okay, Bryce Young just did Bryce Young things, yeah. and it was it is what it is. I can't. I, I'm sorry, coach. It is what it is. But now you don't have to worry about Bryce Young doing Bryce Young things. You got to worry about some random quarterback you've never heard of doing those things. So last hurrah in the Big Twelve. Uh, you get Alabama to start to uh, week two uh, at in Bryant Denny. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, you get you got Oklahoma, of course. Uh, you got to win those two. 
I need that team needs to win at least nine games to keep to make me feel better about him because of the fact that he has so much talent. Xavier Worthy at the receiver position, Quinn Ewers, a potential first round pick uh, at the quarterback position. And if things start looking a little funny at the quarterback position, there's always Arch Manning who can't throw an out route from the opposite half. <laughs> Shout out to Arch I Manning. <laughs> Look. All right, so, you know, kind of like prediction time. But this is not really a prediction. This is <clears throat> give me – I want to know – give me a dark horse team for the Ooh. 2023 season. But on top of that, we're going to go back to the individual stuff because we talked about a few people. But I want to know who you have on Heisman Watch along with Caleb Williams, you know, because he got to be the first name you bring up. So give me a dark horse team and a few people that you think will be on Heisman watch. Dark horse teams in the big 10, Wisconsin, they have a new head coach, Luke Fickle, former Cincinnati uh, head coach. You know, that guy who, who brought you sauce, sauce Gardner. Yeah. I like, he brought, he was bringing a, a new offense to Wisconsin. There's no more ground and pound. We're spreading it out in Wisconsin. You know, we're not playing old school 1930s football anymore. Uh, but, yeah, well, they're spreading it out there. They could have a pretty good year. Uh, Braylon Allen at running back. Another one, Texas Tech. Texas Tech has a lot of talent there. Um, yeah, this one's going to be very, very interesting. Um, could they bring back the shades of 2008? Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree, who breaks free and breaks Texas's heart, we'll definitely see. Uh, and one last one, it could definitely be – I could definitely see Auburn making a splash. We'll see. Simply because Hugh Freeze did it at Ole Miss before he decided to have a burner phone and messing with, with escorts and strippers. Uh, he could, we could definitely see something there. Uh, definitely never count Auburn out. Will they win an SEC title? Hell no. But will they make some? Could they make some waves? Could they be eight and four, seven and five? Much better than anything Brian Harson did. Absolutely. Yo, know, burner phones seem to be uh, just in the <laughs> sports world. They seem to be a weakness for your boy athletes, KB coaches, get away from it. <laughs> and just executives alike. Man, like everybody on every level of sports organizations. Man, the burner phone is just you gotta have the burner with you, man. Don't get caught without it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so throw me some names real quick because we're up against the clock now. So throw me some names. Got Heisman, throw, got Heisman winner, Heisman wise, <laughs> Caleb Williams, easy peasy, quarterback, uh, returner. Uh, he's going to be the number one pick next year. Um, Quinshawn Judkins, running back. Um, Ole Miss, talked about him earlier, 1,500 yards. Uh, Marvin Harrison, Jr., Marvin Harrison, Jr., wide receiver. He is the guy at Ohio State. And last but not least, I'm going to throw one. I'm going to throw a curveball in. He won't win it, but just because he is that damn good. Brock Bowers, tight end, um, Georgia. He is the All next right. great one. That's what's up, man. And that's what I call an in-depth, thorough college football preview. But, you know, yes, you sir. know how you do, Fred. You know how you do. And for the next couple of weeks, because, you know, the war room, in its current format, at least, that, you know, the every week thing we've been doing for the past 13 years is probably going to be going away next month. Uh-oh. 
But Uh-oh. yeah, but you know, it's it's time. But you know, we we we, we still we're still here with the network. We're still here with the platform. So whenever we want to get on and and talk our stuff, we're still gonna be able to do that. But until then, you know, we still got you know a few uh, good episodes left through this regular format. But until then, Fred, let everybody know where they can find you online, where they're going to be able to find you on Saturday afternoons and all of this stuff is going down. You guys can catch me on Twitter, Fred Produce CFB. like to talk my junk. Of course, it's about the college football game. But, of course, I come over on Sundays and I talk a little bit of NFL. You know, I'm a Patriots fan. Tom Brady's my favorite guy. He's gone, so I got to talk about Mac Jones. Now it hurts my heart. But I'm always here talking a little college football. You can catch me also on the College Football Overdrive podcast. It's wherever you download your podcast from, me and my esteemed colleague, Rick Brown. You can, you can catch him on Twitter also at RickBrown91. We keep it straight. No chaser. As he says, uh, we'll actually be previewing the Pac-12 a little bit more in depth on tomorrow so check that one out all right no doubt and plus you know fred and i are going to be back at y'all with some nfl stuff uh pretty soon as well so keep an eye out for that but for right now everybody thank you for joining us for another briefing in the war room shout out to everybody who might have you know peeked in uh i saw a couple of people in the chat room on facebook twitter instagram group chat um no callers called in to chop it up with us, but we understand we scheduled that last minute, that live show. But you guys can tune in to our next episode at our regular time, live right here on demand as we catch you up on all the sports and entertainment stories of the week. So until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Your weekend, we'll see you right back here next time. Be sure to catch our conversations on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and maybe even Thread, as well as our blogs, webcasts, and network podcasts all at warroomsports.com. Also, make sure you pick up a copy of Jimmy's book at sportsthebook.com or warroomsports.com. So until next time, everybody, don't accept mediocrity. and Be steadfast in the war against ignorance. We'll see you chumps on top. Peace. Every Thursday, 6 to 8, they do this Shout out to Dez, PJ, Be Austin, Doc Bay on replay WarRoomSports.com Get that mobile app, it's knocked down 323-14-0012 They be going and you sensitive, then oh well Physical podcast, let's talk sports Showtime like magic in the block push Listen live, push one to join in Rip your team or listen for your enjoyment Hip-hop dollars, pit-stop knowledge Should be in sports credits, I ain't talking college Five guys, no beef though Corporate secrets, but the streets know Bellafani, I got a chief flow KC, royalty, I'm in beast mode Two hours, get your game up Who's the best in sports cast, you better name us War on sports
War Room Sports, www.warroomsports.com. What? Ain't no more to it.